today we're going to talk about confirmation bias and how that is probably screwing up your marriage right now, at least in one way or another. Okay, let's get into that. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to share a few things with you. First, we'd like you to like this episode and then subscribe to our podcast. If you're doing that on YouTube, also hit the bell notification so that you know when we post anything new and then share this with somebody that you feel like would be this would be beneficial for. That's right. If you would like to support our show further, uh, we would welcome that. You are welcome to do that at anchor.fm slash marriage by design to check out your options for supporting the program financially. Otherwise, guys, the links to our social media are always in the description of every video, so feel free to check those out there. And now, let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Nate Warnock. I'm Andrea Warnock, and you've joined us for Marriage Monday on the Marriage by Design podcast, and this is a time where we get to talk to you about God's design for marriage, what the Bible has to say about marriage, and how we live that out practically. That's right. So before we jump into this, uh, if you are uh, just now checking us out on either YouTube or podcast, uh, our podcast partners, will you please go to marriagebydesign.podbean.com. That's marriagebydesign.podbean.com. And up at the top, click follow the show and follow us. So that is our new website. So you can catch all of our material, either video or audio on that website. Uh, so we'd love to have you follow us there so that we can get our followers up on that site in case uh, time comes when we can't be on YouTube anymore. So uh, with that being said, I appreciate you guys doing that. We want I want to talk a little bit today on Marriage Monday practically about something that we see as a huge problem, really a huge problem just in general life, but but a problem with regards to our marriages. And that is this idea that can be summed up in the um, psychological term confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is defined as the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. Mm. So that's a really long-winded way of saying Mm -hmm. the things that we think we're going to see we tend to see. Yeah, like you're you're looking for what you want to see. Right, even if those things are a minority. So, you know, for example, if, um, I mean, we can, we can use, this is actually a really serious problem in this, in this country, this idea of tribalism with regards to our politics and those on the left watch CNN or MSNBC and those on the right watch Fox news. And so you start to see particularly like those news stations, because they want to keep you start leaning into this confirmation bias by presenting you with, uh, stories and reports and statistics that support the things they know their base wants to see, because you want to keep your, your news base. Um, and because your advertisers want to sell to that base. Um, so you start to, to create those things. Well, of course, then the issue is it becomes circular because as the viewer now you're watching 
what you thought all along and it's confirming this thing that you already believed. And the problem is that then when you're out in the world, the reality might be different than that. But all of the evidence you see around you in sort of real life out in the world that confirm or that, that, that goes against your belief, we have a tendency to not look at those things Mm -hmm. and to only go, yep, that's the problem. Right. So, uh, from, you know, a a standpoint of pop culture, I'm have Andrea kind of share what she's seen with this. We took our daughter to Disney world last week for a little mommy, daddy, daughter getaway. And we'll, we'll do a family Friday, just talking about how that was and why that's important for us to be doing. But that's not what we're doing today. But the point is we've been really kind of looking a lot into, you know, Disney message boards and Disney stories and all these kinds of things. And Andrea brought a story, but a series of stories that I want her to share because it really got us thinking about how confirmation bias can really hurt us in our marriages. So the there's one particular story that I'm part of this Facebook group about like moms who are planning Disney vacations or whatever. And this mom had posted and she was telling about how horrible her Disney vacation had been so far. And it was her first, the first day. And, and I just relayed the the information to Nathan. So she and her daughter, who I think her daughter was about six or something had flown to Disney and they were playing on this. Yeah. Mother daughter trip. So she was saying, Oh, our Disney vacation has started off so horribly. We got, our flight was two hours delayed, so we got in two hours late to our vacation, and then the airline lost my luggage, so they told me that they'd reimburse me for the things that were in my luggage. So then I had to go to Walmart and buy all new everything that was in my luggage, you know, and she listed out the things that she needed to buy. And then we got to our hotel, and I had already paid for it, but they required a deposit for our room and a security deposit. Yeah, security deposit. And she was really upset about all that stuff. And she said, I we're just both so upset. We just want to go home. And I relate that story to Nathan, what she had said. And I was like, that just doesn't sound all that bad to me. I mean, it's a bummer. Sure. The two hour delay is a bummer, but you kind of just understand with airlines, especially these days that delays are pretty normal and the lost luggage is that stinks but good you know it's nice that you can go to walmart and pick up a few things and your luggage will probably show up tomorrow but it's nice that you can pick up a few things at walmart and then like a deposit is not unheard of at a hotel and they'll give it back to you as long as you don't break things you know and so i was like yeah the first day sounds like some things went wrong but not enough to say like, oh, let's just cancel this Disney trip. And I was just floored that she and she was saying and her daughter, her six year old daughter, who, you know, is only forming her six. opinions because of the way mom is acting, right. that she was just like, oh, I just want to give up and go home. Right. And that the way she worded it, she said something that that like something like we can just tell this is going to be yeah. a bad trip. So we just want to go home. And, and that's when it really hit me. I'll almost guarantee you the rest of her trip is bad. Mm-hmm. At least if she were to get on the message boards and retell it. 
Whereas you're right. When I think of those things, I think, man, I've been in that situation. Those are, that's a, those are frustrating situations. Um, but none of that had, of course, anything to do with Disney, unless she was staying at a Disney hotel maybe. But otherwise, none of that had really to do with Disney and had more to do with just other stuff. Um, and yet I'll bet that she, the rest of her trip goes poorly in her estimation of it because she's made up her mind that it's going to be bad. Right. This reminds me of that um, uh, historically accurate uh, autobiography <laughs> called is, uh, Alexander and the Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Oh, uh, right? Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Yes. Right. Sorry. Sorry, Alexander, for, for screwing that I think that, that there up. was a movie. There was. Too, there was. Right? Uh, but the point is, at least in the book, and I don't, I don't remember the movie, but at least in the book, he wakes up and from the moment he wakes up, he's convinced he's going to have a bad day. And of course, then the whole book is about him relaying this bad day. And of course, as the adult, you're reading it going, well... That's not, you did that. <laughs> like you did a bad thing that made you have a bad day. Or this was just a, t this wasn't even a bad thing. And you're just reading it as a bad thing, right? It was all, all sorts of those kinds of things. But that's an example of confirmation bias, right? Alexander and this poor woman who took her daughter to, to Disney, they've, they had made up their minds that this was going to be bad. And so that was the frame of reference with which they viewed their day. Mm-hmm. Now I want to now what does that have to do convert with this over yes. to uh, a marriage conversation. Expectations are a human thing, right? We have expectations. We have expectations about our jobs. We have expectations about our children. We have expectations about who's going to change diapers. We have expectations <laughs> about sex. We have expectations yeah. about everything including and probably most importantly we have expectations about what marriage is going to look like there was i think we relayed this on a podcast a few months ago but <clears throat> there was a saying that i heard recently that i feel like is so accurate for life that says we uh something about we think in pictures but we speak in words or something like that whereas it's good you know we're we're thinking about our day or our life or whatever in pictures, ex expectations. This is how I expect this to go and all that. But but we just, we don't necessarily relate, relay that information to each other or or that that picture doesn't happen exactly. And man, that's a that's a on the fly preview of a future marriage Monday, because I also feel like that's why movies are so dangerous. Sure. Because movies paint you a picture that we turn into an expectation. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So we have these pictured in our minds, expectations of our lives and it's, and it can be difficult for us some more than others when those don't happen the way right. that we have pictured them to happen right so when we think about marriage then the problem becomes that when those expectations start to not get met and the expectations you have for your marriage are not going to be met in their entirety they're just not um, because there's the grind of real life happening there's uh, all of these outside pressures there's a sinful world that's going on around us and so and you've got two people that both have their own expectations 
that, by the way, are flavored and molded by years that we spent before we ever met or knew each other, particularly knew each other intimately enough to be married, that when we come together in marriage, those expectations just simply aren't going to be met. That's not wrong. That's just life. Mm -hmm. The issue is when we take those unmet expectations and we begin to allow them to take root in coloring what we think of marriage as an institution or more particularly our spouse. And the reason why that's problematic is confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Because when we start to hey, I have this expectation about the amount of time that my husband's going to spend holding me in his arms and asking me about my day. Or I have this expectation about how many times my wife's going to cook dinner for us as a family. Or I have an expectation that dinner will be home when I get home or that we'll have sex certain times a week or whatever. And that expectation's not being met. Rather than take a look at internally at whether that's a real realistic expectation or speaking with our spouse openly about, hey, I have this expectation, and I don't feel like it's unreasonable, but it's not being met. Can we talk about that? We go right to, well, this other person's the problem. Yeah. Or <clears throat> marriage is just not for me. Or well, my wife and I married each other, but we're not really that compatible, so we shouldn't have gotten married. Or, well, I married my wife, but I'm really into blondes. Or any number of these sort of overarching, huge ideas that we allow to creep in to our marriage. And the, here's the problem. Let's just use that last silly example as an example. If I look at Andrea and I go, man... Every girl I dated, this is not true, but every girl I dated before Andrea was blonde. And then Andrea and I got together, this sort of whirlwind romance with history and all of that. And then we got married and now we're married, but I really feel like I'm into blondes. You've set a triggering mechanism in your mind that you're into blondes. So here's the problem. Every time a blonde walks by and catches your eye, that trigger in your mind is going to go, see? You are into blondes. This thing with Andrea is never going to work mm -hmm. because you're into blondes. Whereas you might be just as drawn to a black, a gal with black hair that walks by, but your brain doesn't trigger that confirmation bias because she's not blonde. Right now you might be looking at that going, well, that's a stupid example and that's fine. But Take this. Take the, the example I used right before that, and it's the same principle. My wife and I have nothing in common. Mm. We just, we're just super incompatible, and that's why our marriage Which, doesn't work. And she's a good person. I'm a good person. We love each other. We're just not in, in love. love with each sure. other because we're not compatible. Well, this is how that plays out. If I were to sit down with you and say, well, um, tell me something that you're compatible about. And we've done this with couples. Nothing. There isn't anything. She's so she's so different than me. There just isn't anything we have in common. Okay. How'd you feel about Hitler? <laughs> well, I thought Hitler was terrible. He murdered a ton of people. Great. Wife. How'd you feel about Hitler? I think he's a terrible person. He murdered a ton of people. 
See, it took me three seconds to find something you're compatible on. Now, they, of course, look at you and go, well, that's stupid. Everybody hates Hitler. But my point is that my point is still the point. When you say we have nothing in common, you're not actually saying what you mean. But your words matter because they plant something in your mind that colors how you think about your marriage. So when you're walking around the house and you look outside and go, hey, do you see there's two cardinals sitting on the tree in our backyard? And she pokes her head around and goes, oh, that's really cool. You don't, you'll never remember that moment again ever. But when you go, hey, babe, the football game's on in, in five minutes. I'm going to go turn the TV on. And she goes, you told me you were going to take out the trash. I don't care about your stupid football game. That's you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Why? Because it triggers the part in your brain that you've set to recognize when you don't have something in common Mm -hmm. that doesn't get triggered when you do have something in common. That's confirmation bias. Yeah. And I think we need to not even just think about the things that we you know, this whole we think in pictures and and where our expectations aren't being met. I think we need to be real, sit down and be real with our own selves too and think, what am I expecting that I haven't even consciously realized that I'm expecting? <clears throat> am I upset about that he doesn't mow the lawn three times a week like my dad did? Ooh. <laughs> am I upset about that? But I, I'm not even really taking the time to realize that's what I'm upset about. I just am upset that week by week, our lawn doesn't look great. And that's all I say to him. Well, our lawn doesn't look very good. And he's like, I keep up with the grass. What are you talking about? But we're, but we're not willing to sit down and think, well, what is it really that I'm picturing in my head should be happening here so that we can have a real conversation about, well, this was my, I thought the, I thought the way, you know, grass had to be mowed at least three times a week. And your husband can say, no, it just needs to be mowed enough that our neighbors don't yell at it. You know what, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I think, I think we need to be honest with ourselves enough to say, what am I really expecting? And are those expectations <clears throat> reality for our lives? Or are they just based on what I thought married couples we're supposed to be or what I experienced from right. my parents being married or whatever that, whatever that is. Right. That takes right. intentionality. Right. And, and another thing that's, that I think is a real piece of what you just said is a lot of times we don't even stop at the, the grass issue that's blown up to my husband doesn't do anything around the house. Mm-hmm. When in reality, what you really mean is the grass isn't being mowed three times a week. But that isn't even what we say, right? So when we say, man, my wife and I don't have anything in common, most of the time we know that's not true. But there's this idea that in order for us to be heard, we have to, we have to overstate the gravity of the problem. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I own a, a cleaning company. We've talked about this. And, and th- th- we get this all the time, right? Where we get a phone call and the phone call is, Hey, your cleaning crew didn't do anything this weekend. Mm -hmm. And of course we take that very seriously. And so we'll go out and meet with them and go, well, it looks like your trash was taken out. Well, yeah, but the behind the owner's door didn't get vacuumed. Okay. What else besides the behind the owner's door? 
well, no, everything else looked okay, but they got to get behind the owner's door because that really bothers him. Do you see how that's not the same, right? We do that. It's a human thing. It's like, hey, if I don't sound the loudest alarm, then no one's going to take me seriously. And so rather than really getting to the to the root of the issue, which is maybe, hey, it's really hard for me that she doesn't love football, right? It's not, it's not we don't have anything in common. It's that there's this one thing that's really important to me that she's not into and it really bothers me that she's not into that. Mm-hmm. That's a realistic thing to talk about. So then why hyper, why overstate that? Well, one of two reasons. Either you haven't taken the time to really sit down and think about, man, he does do a lot around the house. I see him doing the dishes. I see him fixing some things that need to be fixed. I see him helping out with the kids. So why do I feel like he doesn't do anything around here? And then you're going to pull into your driveway and go, oh my gosh, if he doesn't mow the yard. And then it's going to click in your mind. It really bothers me that he doesn't mow the lawn. And then the second issue (laughs) is that you might be hyperbolizing or overstating something is because you go, that's really petty that she doesn't like football and it bothers me this much that she doesn't like football. Mm -hmm. And so you blow it up to this bigger thing in an effort to minimize the reality that you're probably being petty in this thing that you really want her to be into that of course she's a different person you shouldn't have to be into the things that you're into and that's okay but i will say to that too at least in our marriage we have found that things that we were not into before okay so nathan enjoys sports baseball and football i could not have cared less about those things when we were first together. Right. But the longer that we're together, the more I care about them and the more interest I take in them. I'm not going to choose to spend like the kind of money that you have to spend to go to some of these games. Except that you have done that. Right. But not on my own. Like I'm not going to do that just by myself. Yeah, sure. I understand. But because Nathan loves them, I'm willing to consider that. Sure. Or I'm not going to, I would never have on my own flipped one of these games on the TV and watched it myself. But because, because Nathan takes an interest in that, I've taken an, like I'm genuinely interested in those sorts of things now. Not, I don't spend a lot of my time on them, but I have an interest in them. I know what's going on now with football and baseball. And, and so as we've grown together as a couple, I've taken interest in some of those things and vice versa. Nathan's taken an interest in some of the things that I really enjoy, like vacuuming. <laughs> I was just going to say it. You beat me to it. That's funny. Uh, but, yeah, no, but you, you really been, have. That's been part of the fun of cultivating our marriage over the years is that things change in our marriage right. for the good in a lot of ways. And, and just because he ha- takes such an interest in some things, then I start becoming interested in, and same with the other way. And so just because something is right now the way it is, doesn't mean that that's going to be the way it is forever either. Right. You know, if you really want your wife to be into football, then tell her that. Tell her like, man, I would just really, I have this picture in my mind that we sit and on whatever days football's on. <laughs> what? Saturdays, Monday nights. And you got two of them, right? 
and every other day of the week. No, that we can that we sit and we cheer for a team together on the couch, you know, on Saturdays, whatever the picture is in your head. And maybe it starts slow with her sitting there with you for half an hour and you're kind of teaching her how football works. And maybe she does because maybe she doesn't know. Right. Or right. why you really love this team or whatever that is. And you, you don't need to force somebody, right? But right. G- give the opportunity. At least tell them, hey, this is the this is the picture in my head. I'd really love if we could just do a little bit of that. Right. And, and that's a super specific example. Um, but And you have really changed a ton in that area, which I think brings us back to really the point of this episode, which is... If you allow preconceived notions in your head to govern the amount you're willing to put into your marriage, Mm -hmm. your marriage is doomed because the other person is never going to measure up in every area to the idea that you have in your head. And the problem is this idea you have rolling around in your head pre-programs your brain to recognize the things that confirm that idea that you have and reject the things that don't. Yeah. So and how it's do we change that? so dangerous um, because it prevents it, it. It's like our brain is, is, is pre-wired to want to take a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at something and go, well, see, she's just used this example we've been using. She's just not into football rather than our brain going, well, let's sit down and talk to her about how can we, come to some middle ground there. You just go, she's never going to be into it. We're not compatible. Mm-hmm. The end. Right? Yep. So you asked, how do we change that? There, there's a verse, and it's it's one of Andrea and my life verses, I think, and certainly a verse we bring up regularly on yep. this channel, but I want to I bring it up again. At the end of Philippians, so Paul has taught the church in Philippi a number of things in this book. It's a great book. And this is kind of his final words to the church. And here's what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, Paul's pointing out a really important point to the church in Philippi, and that's that our thoughts should never control us we should control our thoughts. So many people, when we talk to them, it's like they have their physical, emotional body being, and then they have their brain over there doing its own thing, (laughs) and they're completely beholden to whatever it does. Mm. Your brain is controlled by you, period. Now, can there be chemical imbalances and things like that? Of course. But let's not kid ourselves like that's the rule, right? That's the exception, and it's a, it's a very small exception when we talk about documented cases of brain imbalances. The majority of it is people that are too, um, that have not been properly motivated to take control of their own thoughts. And that's my challenge to you watching this video, and it's a challenge right back to Andrea and I for each other. Let's control our thoughts. Know what thoughts you have going on and make a point within your marriage to change them. Maybe you think poorly about marriage in general, right? Maybe you look at marriage as the old ball and chain 
right? Or getting tied down or someone that just wants to change you. Those are not God honoring thoughts and they will color the way that you look at other people's marriages and your own. Why? Confirmation bias. In the same way, control the way you think about your spouse, right? Instead of allowing those thoughts that we're not, we're not compatible. Um, she doesn't, want to be with me. She doesn't think I'm attractive. He doesn't think I'm attractive. He doesn't love me. She doesn't respect me. Make a point in your brain to turn that on its head. She does respect me. She does respect me. You might have to say it to yourself every morning when you get up for a while, but what will happen is you will turn the tide of this confirmation bias. So as you train yourself, she does respect me, you will start to recognize the things she does that show respect to you and overlook the things that don't. Now, does that mean those things won't sting? No, they probably will. But because you've trained yourself to go, she respects me, you'll no longer be afraid to go, hey, this thing that you said, that that kind of hurt me a little bit. Did I do something to upset you? Instead of when she says that thing that hurts you, that confirms this huge idea you have in your head, you just fly off the handle Mm -hmm. because you've had it with that disrespectful woman, (laughs) right? That's how we turn this confirmation bias. Paul said it 2,000 years ago. It's just a matter of us choosing to do it. Choose to think on the things that are true, that are honorable, that are just, that are pure. You know marriage is those things. Why? Because God created it. God created marriage. So it's perfect. It's us humans that screw it up. Yep. So if we can just come back to controlling the things that we think about our spouse, I'm not talking about your feelings. I'm talking about controlling the things that we think. Your feelings will follow. Trust me, they'll follow. It's a biblical concept. Your feelings will follow you. So if you're sitting there going, well, I can't think nice things about my spouse right now because I'm really angry with her. The anger's following the thoughts, not the other way around. So change the thoughts. You'll change the anger. Right now, there may be things that need to be done in your marriage. Those will come. But right now, the thoughts need to lead. Right? Change the thoughts. The anger will follow away. Trust me. Challenge me on this. Make a point of thinking, loving things about your spouse, respectful things about your spouse, positive things about your spouse every day for the next two months, and then send me an email two months from now and tell me about how you genuinely did that every day and nothing changed in your marriage. I guarantee you it won't happen. Why? Because somebody way smarter and more eternal than me, the Holy Spirit, said it. So let's make a point to change those thoughts those behaviors that we have that are creating a situation where our brain is confirming the wrong types of things about our spouse and about marriage and rejecting those things that are God honoring. Yeah. Take every thought, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's right. That's right. It's really good. Anything else, baby? Nope. That was great. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here every Monday to check us out. Love to have you 
pop over and see our new website, marriagebydesign.podbean.com. You can watch all of our episodes and, uh, and listen to all of our episodes over on that site, as well as learn a little bit more about us. Love to have you follow the show there. If you have uh, comments, you can leave them underneath that each video on, on the Podbean website, or you can leave them on YouTube or over on Facebook. We respond to every comment that we get and love to see those come in. All right, guys, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, We will be back at you with a Family Friday later on this week. Until then, remember, God is for your marriage. Have a great week.